0: Well, good morning, St. Michael's. After a few weeks away on seminary break, I am so glad to be back with you all this morning. This weekend, as you will see today across the campus, is a busy weekend at St. Michael's. Our vestry members have been away on retreat together, a time set apart for prayerful preparation and community building as they prepare to lead us through this year. Last night, our middle school youth enjoyed a lock-in, sleeping over in the chapel loft, playing games and exploring the beauty of St. Michael's in the quiet hours of dark. This week has been a week of time set aside. And how timely with our gospel this morning. Today, I think Mark Is giving us a gift of rest. As we heard, Jesus and some of his disciples are visiting the house of Simon and Andrew, where we learn that Simon's mother-in-law is in bed sick with a fever. And even with the cultural expectations of women to perform hospitality and all of these male visitors in her home, the mother-in-law who was not granted a name, unfortunately, she is still in bed sick and good for her. She doesn't just say like, oh, it's nothing and pushes through like so many of us, like I am want to do. She's not trying to fight off any sense of vulnerability to perform for others. No, she's in bed when Jesus finds her. And it is in that rest that she allows herself to be healed. She gives space and vulnerability in resting to be touched by Jesus, and she is indeed healed, lifted up. For those of us who know what it feels like to experience the true healing power of Christ in our lives, it is a deeply vulnerable thing to give oneself over, relinquishing control, giving in to the ultimate trust of that which we cannot see. It is no small thing. And then after Jesus has laid hands on her, cured her from her illness, Mark writes, she began to serve them. Now, in my modern understanding, I maybe imagine she put on a kettle for some tea or prepared a platter. Could be but I think what Mark is really trying to tell us is more than that, because in the original Greek, the word that Mark uses for service is diakonos. To the early Christians who Mark was writing to, that is strong language. Service, absolutely, but something more, a strong sense of service that comes from within the very same word from which we name our sacred order of deacons. Those who serve as the link between the church and the world, service that is vocational, service that puts the need of the world in a focused view in order that others may be healed through the love and generosity of God. Because this nameless mother-in-law has taken time to rest, because she has given up control of trying to do it all by herself, because she has given herself over to Christ in vulnerability to accept his loving, healing power, she is able to embody diakonos. She becomes like a deacon and she serves. Well, word clearly begins to spread because soon many others who are sick or held by demons are brought to him. The whole city was at the door. I feel that phrase so heavily. Especially here in New York, there are days when I step outside of my building and it feels like the whole city is at my door all at once. There is so much need on our doorsteps on our commute, around corners that I know I and maybe many of us will never truly get to see the deep level of work that needs to be done. The whole city was at the door and Jesus heals many of the people. He casts out the demons, he's healing the sick, but there is still more work to be done. The work is never ending. This city is never ending. But more than the miracles in this story, I'm struck by what happens next. Jesus goes out to a deserted place, all by himself, before it is light, to pray, to rest, to be in a place set apart. The scene of Jesus praying alone in the stillness of dark, it so beautifully mirrors his time in the garden of Gethsemane, right before he is crucified. The only other time that we see Jesus' private nighttime prayers, that night in the garden where he prays for the cup of violence and death to pass his lips, if at all possible, all the while really knowing and accepting God's will for him. That is one of the most gut- wrenching and deeply vulnerable moments that we are privy to in Christ's life on earth. And in today's gospel, to be alone in the dark, praying and receiving a resolve of understanding of what his work truly is to be on earth, it's a moment of foreshadowing for the prayers to come. Darkness is a vulnerable place. Into the quiet darkness, Jesus goes for solace to regain strength, to remember his diakonos. The disciples finally find Jesus in the light of day, and they say, There's more work to be done. The crowd is even bigger. People are coming and looking for you for healing and relief. But in that time set apart, through his prayers, Jesus has remembered what he came here to do. And he responds, let us go on to the next towns so I may proclaim my message there, for that is what I came out to do. He doesn't discount that there is still work to be done here. He doesn't say, like, this city's had enough of me or they're not important. No, he's not saying that. And I imagine it's a really hard choice to make. Every time I step out into the city and I'm faced with the overwhelming need, when I'm faced with hard realities and hard choices, some moments when I can help and more often than not, moments where I feel all I can offer is a sincere smile and acknowledgement of humanity. And I grapple with the discomfort of not being able or and my deepest worries willing, or I don't know what it is, those hard choices that each of us face every time we are here on the streets, it is heartbreaking. Not because those neighbors aren't important or the need isn't dire, it is and they are. I have to imagine that Jesus felt conflicted as he moved on to the next town. But well-rested and reaffirmed in his call to service, Jesus lead, leads his disciples and they continue their journey. Because by recentering the mission for which he was put on this earth to live out, by recentering the work which God has called him to do, Jesus gives us an incredible example of staying on task and remembering the big picture. Because Lord knows that there will always be more to do. There will always be another email, another call to make, just one more thing to accomplish before I head out of the office on Fridays. There will always be just one more. Things that are noble and good and worthy of our attention, but when that takes us away, when that fixation takes us away from our diakonos, it is no longer serving the world. It is only serving this secular sense of urgency that we all fall victim to, a deep human desire for control that sucks us into the belief that we and only we can fix the thing. If we want something done right, we gotta do it ourselves, right? No, Jesus says no. He leaves the crowd full of people who he could help But if he stayed there in that one spot all the time, only that town, only those people would hear the message of the gospel, would hear the love of God. It doesn't mean that it's a first-come, 1st serve situation. Absolutely not. This is a story of Jesus trusting in God, trusting in the message, and frankly trusting in God's people, all of us. Because the story that we got in today's gospel, it is a small part of the story. It is just the beginning, chapter one, really. And as the story goes on, he continues to spread his message. Jesus continues to heal and teach and love. And by the end of the story, in the final chapter of Mark, he gives his commission to all of us. Fast forward a little bit to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says to us, Go into all of the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. The work is going to get done. We have been commissioned to continue spreading the story. Jesus trusted in the hard decision to look at the big picture, to disengage in false urgency. In that, he empowers all of us to spread the gospel in our words, deeds, and love every day. He empowers us to remember our diakonos. Oh, but it is hard, and how do we stop ourselves from holding on so tightly to that desire for control and urgency? How do we trust enough to be in the same vulnerability of Simon's mother-in-law to open ourselves to healing? The gift of the story is rest. Jesus goes into the darkness to pray. Following in his example, the vestry went on retreat. The youth spent the night together in the church. We rely on these places and times set apart to allow ourselves the rest and reset, which prepares us for the service. how will you claim your rest and really claim it? Where will you go to remember your diakonos? Amen.